Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 243. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's seventh season episodes, Lineage, Repentance, and Prophecy. Here we go. Lineage, Season 7, Episode 12, Production Code 258, Original Air Date, January 24th, 2001, Directed by Peter Lauritsen, Written by James Kahn, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Mono Interami as Icheb, Juan Garcia as John Torres, Jessica Guano as Young Blana Torres, Javier Grajeda as Carl Torres, Paul Robert Langdon as Dean Torres, Nicole Serafellos as Elizabeth Torres, and Gilbert R. Leal as Michael Torres. Belana Torres is in a good mood until she arrives at work in engineering and almost faints. Echip scans her and states that she has a parasite within her. Within her. Seven of Nine also scans Torres and comes up with a different diagnosis. Belana is pregnant. The doctor confirms Seven's diagnosis. The fetus is seven weeks old and perfectly healthy, except for a genetic defect that causes abnormal spine curvature in Klingon females. I don't mean to be indelicate, but weren't you trying to get pregnant? Well, of course. I mean, we knew we wanted a family. But the odds against human Klingon conception are so high. Well, apparently, you've beaten the odds. May I be the first to congratulate you? <laughs> there's, there's a scene where in the... Uh flashback sequences the campfire i imagined a third line that wasn't there i was so sure it was what the line was and it wasn't the line so the little torres says to her dad they don't like me and he says why would you say that and her line i thought was because they said they don't like me anyway um so, yeah, um, Adam, kick us off on Lineage. Lineage. Um, Lana's pregnant, which is cool. I actually forgot, completely forgot about this. I mean, I guess it's been a while since I've seen season seven, so I forgot that she'd gotten pregnant. You know, makes sense. You know, they just got married not long ago. So, yeah, you start a family and you have a kid. Um, you know, and then, you know, we got, you know, as the story goes along, we get into, um, you know, the flashbacks and we get into... Belana's childhood and the um, the problems that she had um, growing up as a Klingon child in um, human society, um, and you know we get you know we get that kind of backstory. You know we kind of known that with Belana, we've seen it several times throughout the series, but I mean this kind of just kind of fine tunes it. And obviously she does not want her child to kind of go through this, so she goes through this whole elaborate scheme to re- remove all the um, Klingon, if not. If all, if not all, the DNA, Klingon DNA, so her daughter will look, um, will basically be human um, going forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I think, um, I think maybe part of my problem with this episode, um, the flashback scenes, I kind of, it, w- it took me a little bit till we got further into the episode, but initially when I'm watching this, I'm like, man, this kid's a brat. Those scenes kind of feel a bit vanilla somehow to me. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what, they, they kind of slow down the episode. Yeah, because there's so much heart and emotion, and and it's so genuine what what adult Artur is is feeling, and and her conversations with Tom and stuff, and it's also real. And then you get to this flashback sequence, which I mean, even even just where they shot it is like, oh well, that's just the that, that's a that's a that's a set, that's a fake tree, fake, 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 and everybody looks fake, and it's all shot from, you know, it's even so cheap that it it doesn't, it's like a 180 degree, oh 
that whole half where the camera is, there's no set there because they're not shooting that direction ever. I mean, it's, it just kind of feels um, cheap. And then the actors are all seem to be a bit forgettable. And I don't know, it, it, it just feels so vanilla and you can, it slows the episode down. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's like the weight. So, I mean, I've, I feel, you know, during watching the episode, I feel, um, I feel the emotion from Bolana and Tom, the struggle that they're kind of going through. And I feel what Bolana's going through because she goes to this extreme to reprogramming the doctor so she can get her way and, you know, you know, make her daughter more human so she doesn't have to go through this. And like I said, you go back to these flashback scenes and they don't quite carry the same weight. Like, I mean, I think vanilla is kind of a good term there, Brian. Um, they don't, I mean, you kind of get it towards the end when she overhears her father's conversation, but I don't know. I just kind of, it didn't seem traumatic enough to me to, um, it didn't match, you know, the trauma that she received in these flashback scenes, these couple of flashback scenes we got, didn't seem like it was heavy enough to cause her to do everything that she went through, um, in the present. Um, I think they could have just, if they were going to, you know, if they wanted to do the flight, they probably should have added more weight, maybe made her dad kind of a butthead or something. I don't know. That's just kind of the, that just kind of off put me, but it didn't like ruin the episode for me or anything like that. Um, I just, yeah, I enjoyed um, all the present day stuff with Blana and her struggles and, you know, the extremes she went to to kind of um, try and protect her daughter from the hardships that she experienced in her childhood. Steve, your first thought? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying about the flashback parts to some extent, but uh, on the whole, I um, I was really, really impressed with this. I mean, I, after watching, I mean, I remembered it. It's certainly memorable, and I remember liking it at the, when I first saw it, but now I feel it's so much better than what it was 20 years ago or practically what it was. Um, you have a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also that it just seems the, the, the stuff between, um, you know, Paris and Torres in terms of the marital arguments, some of that stuff feels so real. It just seems that's the easily the best performances those two do off each other in terms of in this whole series. I mean, it felt just so genuine and that kind of struggle when you're trying to, you know, when you, when there's a disagreement with someone you love, it's, it's a very different thing. And that kind of frustration of what's going on, what, you know, that it's a very personal kind of struggle. And, um, and, and, you know, I think they did such a good job of, um, this journey where we, we get the revelation that she's, she's pregnant. And then we see all of these kinds of, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you have, you have even, you have the notions of, um, you know, themes in terms of stuff that may even be more relevant now than what people were really thinking of back 20 years ago, for example, you know, dismissing certain emotions as just byproducts of, you know, being, being pregnant and, and you know, or it, it, taking that aside, even the notion of, you know, are, are hormones the excuse for, you know, my point of view not being relevant and all this kind of stuff. Um, and on the other side of that, of course, she takes such extreme action that no one can argue that it's extreme, you know, um, where she's potentially going to, um, she's going to go around her spouse and, and take some drastic action with the, with their daughter and, and all of this. Reprogram the doctor. Yeah. But, but she, but it, but it's just this, this backstory and, you know, and I think why I discount a bit the, the flashbacks, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about that is because it's still, they're flashbacks. And so it's almost, if it's, if it can be just like telling something in some way to get across what it is that needed to be said, I think that's adequate because to me, when they, when they come back and you see the emotion that, um, 
she's carrying with that and, and brings it out. And then this, you know, when, when Paris says, Oh, you think this is going to happen with us? You think I'm, I'm going to lead because of this. It just has so much uh, weight to it. And, and then, uh, and then you also have some stuff carrying over, you know, I, I each have, I, I love that character. And in, right from the get go, you have this kind of carryover from a few episodes back when they had the crush and all that. So they kind of like bring that into it and they have this humorous thing with the parasite. And then he, that, that little, you know, very subtle thing where, he takes it, you know, takes, you know, over and saying, well, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll look over it, you know, and Paris knows he's just, you know, because he's got a crush on her and stuff. Um, I didn't, I just think it's excellent. I, I really, really enjoy this episode. It's got a lot of heart and has a lot to say, I think. Well, I, I totally agree with you that Torres and Paris, that, that actress and that actor, this is the best work they do mm-hmm. when the two of them, you know, we, that episode when they told each other, they loved each other was such a memorable moment. And they're, they're, they're so good together and it brings out the respective best performances for, from each of them. You know, there was a moment here that I loved. Um, I don't remember how the conversation started, but it was immediate. Tom's reaction, he immediately said, you don't want her to be Klingon. It didn't take, they weren't talking for a couple of minutes to get there. She said like one sentence and he knew what was really going on because he knows her so well. He knows her in a way that nobody else does. And it's just one of those things that just reminds you, I don't know, how fair and honest his love for her is and the, their relationship is. And I don't know, it, it was such a great little moment with those characters. And uh, I remembered this episode very well. And I didn't remember the flashbacks at all. <laughs> right, right. But I rem- really remembered this being, I remember that scene when she's in the holodeck by herself and she's uh, resequencing the DNA to, to remove the ridges and how like kind of heartbreaking that is. And, yeah, no, it, it's it's a good episode. It's just um, it just has those those for me the flashback sequences kind of slow it down. That's all. They don't stop it. It's too good for that, but they do they do slow it down a bit. Um, what? Go ahead. I don't know. Are you getting ready to go into what it's about? Because I was going to yep. say something that probably <laughs> probably lent it right. up a little bit to that. I was trying not to, to get around it a little bit, but and that that's the thing. It's 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 kind of got a lot to say, and it kind of depends on how deep you want to go because you have the the complexities of of um, of marriage, especially when it comes to to big issues and how complex that is, and and the the give and take that comes with those kind of arguments and struggles and so forth, you have this general idea of, of bullying, you know, and how and how bullying affects um, the child and affects their choices as they grow. But then um, it even goes so far as probably something I, I totally wouldn't have got twenty years ago, and that's for sure. Is it is it speaks a little bit to, to um, the uh, white privilege to an extent, you know, they, they just barely touch on it, but it, it's certainly there, you know, there's humans, there's 140 humans. Yeah, sure. There's a few others of this and that and all that. But um, the, 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 the notion of being the different one, being, being the outsider, the being the one that's not quite like everybody else and how that, how that affects somebody. Um and even to the point of making extreme choices, um, just just to fit in and be accepted, you know. So I, I think I think this episode's got a lot to say. Adam, what do you have for what it's about? Yeah, Steve's correct. There's a there's a lot in here to talk about um, about what it's about. Obviously, the, the things that stand out is um, two people being in a loving relationship and a marriage and having to work through um, difficult trauma from their past. I mean, you know, it's you know, in one episode, you know, we. we between these two, you know, we have Tom who, you know, who likes to 
get into a project and he's, you know, we've seen them have those problems and he kind of ignores her and then they kind of come back together. And in this episode specifically, you know, it's about, um, you know, and that's from Tom's childhood too, because, you know, he wanted to prove to his father that, you know, he was worthy and that kind of thing. So we saw that with Tom. And then this one, obviously we see Belana, you know, and her, her upbringing of um, being a, um, a cross race, um, um, woman, you know, Klingon, half Klingon, half, um, human and being different, you know, you know, and, you know, that's, that's very relatable to many people, especially in this country, you know, who are, you know, half Hispanic, half white, half black, half white, you know, I mean, you know, Asian, that kind of thing, you know, so, you know, we had a president who was half black, half white. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot in the story that people that, um, watch the show and, you know, love the show can kind of relate to. And this kind of relates to, to that for Bolana being different and dealing with your childhood, um, problems or mishaps in the present. And, um, you know, you know, and like Steve was talking about, you know, you, you're dealing with your marriage and your the loving marriage and they're working it out. And, you know, sometimes that's messy and complicated, but because these two love each other very much and they know each other so well, they're able to kind of get through it. All right, let's do six degrees for lineage. Adam. Juan Garcia plays John Torres. Does he play this character again? plays the daddy in the flashback sequences. Is that it? Yes, that is it. No, he plays the character one more time. That was kind of a tricky question. For sure. Uh, Steve, I'm making sure to give this one to you because you already answered it. During their discussion, how many humans does Torres say are on Voyager? She says 140. Steve has one. Moving on. Repentance, Season 7, Episode 13, Production Code 259, Original Air Date, January 31st, 2001, Directed by Mike Beecher, Story by Mike Sussman and Robert Doherty, Teleplay by Robert Doherty, Music Composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Jeff Kober as Eco, Tim Bizarn as Yedik, F.J. Rio as Joleg, and Greg Poland as Voyager Security Officer. <laughs> Voyager responds to a distress call, beaming all the people off a Nigerian ship which is about to, about to explode. Most are sent to Voyager's cargo bay, and it turns out the ship Voyager rescued was carrying prisoners to a facility where they were scheduled to be ex- executed. Since there is no capital punishment in the Federation, the crew are uncomfortable with the situation, but the do- Prime Directive forbids them from interfering. I can't stop thinking about the man I killed. That's not surprising. You're experiencing guilt. Is that why I'm feeling sick? Nausea could be a symptom of guilt. I've never felt guilty before. You've committed many crimes. None of them made me feel like this. Steve, get us going on repentance. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this is this is interesting. I mean, I think, uh, I, rem- I certainly remember this episode. It was, uh, it's a... Uh, got a lot of weight in terms of the you know the message it's trying to send about uh, uh, the punitive versus rehab kind of situation with prisons and that kind of thing it's uh it's pretty clear it's doing that it might be a little heavy-handed doing that although i think that uh it's interesting that the character that um kind of kind of turns the, the the bad to good character is kind of uh interesting it's anytime anytime star trek does these things that you can't really do in very easily in in non-sci-fi where you 
basically remove some kind of trait through some kind of gimmick or whatever, and then see how that affects somebody is always interesting because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's speculative, but the idea that, uh, you take away the ability, you, you, you bring back guilt to somebody that can't feel guilt and, you know, tur- turn a sociopath into something else, you know, that's not that. And what does it do? And what does it make them feel about their past actions and so on? Um, I, I, I kind of felt it's a little bit artificial. Uh, they had to have somebody go head to head against this this guy, uh, the the prisoner, the sociopath who has the lobotomy or however you want to call it. And uh, so they choose Seven, but it feels a little bit wacky that Seven's the one that's kind. I mean, as she's got this far, yet she's very, you know. Her attitude being that, you know, why, why are we even wasting our time with people that are sentenced to death and this kind of thing? I mean, I get it. Somebody's got to have this view, but uh, it, that felt a little bit off to me. And, um, but uh, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's a worthwhile episode and has some things to say. Yeah, I think, I feel like it's probably a really cool idea and the execution was fine, but it, it certainly felt, it felt uh, like a unique story that for sci-fi. Or that required something like sci-fi, um, which I guess is part of what you're talking about there. But it did feel a little forced, the seven stuff. And, and if we didn't have that, then it wouldn't have anything to do with our characters. So, so I mean, it needed it or right. it needed something. But I think that's what maybe holds it back a little bit. Um, Adam, your first thoughts? Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with what's been said here. I mean, it's kind of interesting once we, you know, we get into the episode. It's, it's kind of on the nose from the get-go. You know, prisoners being taken to their death. Um, you know, you know, nobody in on the ship agrees with that. Um, you know, the jailers are are mean. You know, so I mean, it's it's kind of um, it kind of, everything's kind of on the nose to begin with. And then you know, we get Neelix talking to one of the the prisoners who you know he talks about you know we're we're disproportionately you know arrested and accused of crime. So you know that goes to the kind of the heart of what goes on in our society. You know, minorities being jailed and imprisoned um more often than um you know white people so they're talking about that situation there although they they kind of mess with you in the storyline it turns out that that character you know that neelix kind of befriended ended up being actually really being a bad guy so um that kind of gives less weight to that and then you know we have our main character you know who's a really mean you know starts off as a really mean nasty person obviously he takes seven hostage and tries to take the doctor hostage and he's the one that we kind of by the end of the episode are feeling sympathy for as opposed to the one that they initially kind of set up as us having sympathy for um so there's a you know i this it's a good episode they they do have a lot to say i mean like i said i think everything's a little bit too on the nose you know and and there's nothing wrong with that you know they're, they're they're trying to say you know can they're trying to talk about um, is capital punishment right or wrong, or is re- or should you go the route of, of rehabilitation? Um, and you know those are the themes that they're talking about here. And obviously, you know when Seven gets involved, um, you know it doesn't go the way she thinks, and she, you know, this is one more part of um, her humanity um, rebuilding that she kind of has to go through. Even just talking about it, you end up talking about what it's about, which is odd because usually it's. It's because it feels a little shallow, I guess. I don't, I'm not trying to bag on this episode. They they could have done this episode years earlier, and I, it could have been somebody besides Seven. I think there are probably ways to do this episode that make it more about our characters. You're right. Um, making the 
the one prisoner who was saying he was actually innocent, making him turn out to be actually a bad guy. It's kind of, it's, that's kind of going against the idea of, yeah. of, of wrongful arrests. And, yeah. Like, right. Yeah, right. Kind of, kind of ruin that, but. And it kind of, it is a little, and it's cliched kind of too. Like when you're talking about on the nose, Adam, there's, there's kind of, there's a long history of this kind of stuff where you're like, you know, the kind of the twist or whatever, you know, like the, the person you think is the okay guy is not the okay guy and vice versa. You know, it's, yeah. So, well, you know, just big picture. We're talking frequently talking about what this one's about anyway. Does this episode ask any new questions about capital punishment? Like the scene when the doctor is saying why there shouldn't be capital punishment. I mean, I didn't hear anything from him that sounded like it was adding to the conversation, I guess, uh, which, you know, it was a short scene. So, I think they knew that too, but with the whole bit about, you know, they've, they've made this physical change to him and they've repaired a defect and now he can feel guilt and, and remorse. And uh, clearly he would never do that again. Uh, you know, murder. Does that allow for some different point of view or new part of the conversation about capital punishment? That's a fine line too. I mean, you know, in, in this episode, I don't mean to, you know, the character did it. I'm, being sentenced to death so i don't mean to make light of it but i mean there's been a long history of trying to you know surgically alter you know criminals and psychopaths you know from lobotomizing to castration that kind of thing so i don't know necessarily that was you know it, it, to me it was just kind of it, it, it just it, it fit too well I'm like oh, okay you know they they did some therapy on him and now he's cured he's no longer an evil person um so I think that kind of makes light on the fact that, you know, there have been numerous things tried over the centuries to, you know, try to correct this behavior that's ended up being far worse, you know, electric shock therapy, you know. Well, hang on. No, no. Yeah. I, I think a more relevant comparison now would be various, like, um, just medications that, you yeah, know, some people, like for... if somebody's bipolar, for example, sure, they're on sure. a medication that, that corrects that. I think that's legitimate. And and helps them produce to, to lead more productive lives. And I think that's, that's probably a more, I don't know, modern comparison to what's going on for me anyway. That's what you're saying. But I mean, you know, like I said, there's a fine line, you know, where these things, you know, work, like you said, you know, if you can take some drugs to chemically balance yourself, but there's also some really terrible things that have gone on to kind of correct these things as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I, they, they, I they, they kind of just looked at the rosy side of it, you know, like, hey, we cured him, you know. Yeah, I agree that it, it, if anything, it kind of oversimplifies it, and it's good in, insofar as that we're having this discussion about it because it it it, it is a, it is a complex situation that may be kind of, uh, yeah, like I said, oversimplified in this episode because um, where do you draw the line with what what is when is a treatment fundamentally changing a human being to the point that we're saying that the original human being is an illegitimate human being or something, you know, and, and that's, that's a complex issue. Um, but we don't get that deep into it. It's kind of like, it's almost like a token episode to address this, but it doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't bring out any new discussion really, um, beyond what we're doing just to kind of pad this, you know, in terms of, uh, saying what it's not covering, you know, so. Let's do six degrees for repentance. Um, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. F.J. Rio plays Joe Legg, the prisoner that seems to convince Neelix that he isn't such a bad guy. 
In three episodes of DS9, he played Starfleet engineer Enrique Munez. What species killed Munez in the episode The Ship? Hmm. <sighs> was it Jim Hadar? Yes, it was Jim Hadar. Now I'm trying, you know, I just asked that question without looking anything up. Did he maybe get injured in the crash and Jim Hadar didn't actually kill him? Was like a slow death where he's like has a lot yeah, of yeah, that kind of this. yeah. That feels right. Kind of that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the, the it was Jim a fight Hadar with Jim Hadar. They yeah. they damaged the ship. Yeah. So. Yeah. They were the cause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam Rio also played a Vissian in the Enterprise episode Cogenitor, in which Enterprise encounters a species with three genders. What season was that? Three genders. Ah, I'm gonna say season three. No. Did you just pick season three because it was the same number of genders? <laughs> uh, no, I just, like, uh, I just picked that because I ran into a bunch of different species. In oh, yeah. Uh, no, and I'm not going to give it to Steve since there were so few seasons. It was season two. I thought that was a hard question because I always remembered that. I always confused Cogenitor with the episode where Trip gets pregnant, which I know is season one. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. But no, this is a different episode. This is season two. Um, let's see. So Steve has two. Moving on. Prophecy, Season 7, Episode 14, Production Code 260. Original air date, February 7th, 2001. Directed by Terry Windle. Story by Larry Nemechek, Jake Kelly Berker, Raph Green, and Kenneth Biller. Teleplay by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Sherman Howard as Tigreth, Paul Eckstein as Marak, Rin T. Brown as Kolar, and Peggy Jo Jacobs as Chiriga. <laughs> A cloaked 23rd century Klingon D-class vessel attacks Voyager using a metaphasic scan 7 of 9 calculates the position of the ship, allowing Tuvok to fire on it and disable their cloaking device. The captain of the Klingon ship, Kolar, refers to the Federation as sworn enemies of the Empire. Naturally, Kolar doesn't believe Janeway when she says that the Federation and Empire have been at peace for 80 years. However, when Kolar sees Belana Torres, who is pregnant, he abruptly changes his mind. Ten of the Klingons have started a hunger strike. They say they won't eat until you agree to meet with their council of elders. That's ridiculous. Their faith is obviously very important to them. They think I'm something I'm not. Just talk to them. Hear what they have to say. We could be with these people for a while. You can't avoid them forever. I can try. It'll make you feel any better. I'll go with you. Did you guys know that Tom Paris keeps a phaser at his station when he's piloting the vessel? Um, no. I didn't know that. That's good. I seem, you know, I had this vague recollection of reading some nerdy manual at some point that talked about having the small sidearms at bridge stations, but you never see it. But I don't know. Well, this seemed like a pretty clever way to get to, to interact with Klingons. And I certainly like this episode a lot better than the barge of the dead episode, whatever that one was. Who, who started the last one? That was Steve. So Adam, why don't you kick us off on this one? Prophecy. Yeah, I agree, Brian. Um, it was a kind of a clever way to get Klingons involved in a, in a larger scale and, and in a more, in a, in something that we're much more familiar with, you know, Klingons, you know, you know, hate the, it's kind of like from the Kurt days, Klingons don't like the Federation and then they attack each other. And there's a lot of animosity, a lot more animosity, between the two species. I mean, obviously that does occur in next gen and, and DS9 and those things, but this is, this is kind of like the, the classic 
adversarial um, approach between Klingons and Federation. So, I mean, you know, you got to have to take a, you know, a leap here to think that, you know, these Klingons could be on this ship for 80 years and still be, you know, as devout and whole as they are. But that aside, you know, it kind of works well. They see Balana, they, um, they're like, oh, we have this, these texts and these prophecies and, and, um, they, you know, they fake the explosion of their ship to get on Voyager. I kind of like that they went the other way when they, when Captain, Janeway finally brings um, Kolar into the ready room and he, he kind of, he fesses up to it. He's like, I'm just trying to save my people. I need to get them off the ship, you know, that kind of thing. So I like that they, they, they kind of drop that, um, that whole, you know, prophecy and, you know, you know, we're wholly following the scriptures and that kind of thing. So I kind of, I like the idea of like, you know, he's just trying to do what's right for his people and them, you know, traveling like aimlessly on board this Klingon cruiser is not a, um, a long-term thing. Um, and, you know, and then we kind of get into it. Klingons, you know, there's some funny moments with the Klingons interacting with the, the Voyager crew, obviously the Neelix and Tuvok stuff is really funny. You know, we got Kim who's trying to avoid, um, the Klingon who's trying to mate with them. I got to ask that moment there when Neelix says, I'm going to help you out or whatever. <laughs> Did anybody else think that Neelix was just going to kiss Kim, right? And then that would tell the King of Cleon lady, oh, that would have been awesome. He's taken. No, I didn't think that. I, Nobody thought that. that. Could, but I knew, yeah, he, he wanted to get with her, so I knew where he was going. So, I mean, that all that kind of stuff was amusing. And then, you know, we kind of get back to, you know, we were talking about um, the first episode that we were talking about today, you know, Bolana's, Bolana's um, you know, baby and her, her issues with being Klingon. So, this episode kind of takes that a little bit further and, you know, kind of makes her kind of face her Klingon side a lot more. Um, and obviously Tom as well. <laughs> the one thing that kind of struck me, you know, you have these Klingon warriors that have been on this ship for how many years and like, how many battles would they fight? I w- to me, I'm like, you know, this the guy that he was fighting, you know, I mean, t- to me, Tom probably has a lot more experience fighting battles than um, this Klingon that he's fighting. But that aside, it was just kind of a funny thing to me. Um, overall, I kind of, I like the episode. I think it's good. It's not like a, a outstanding or a top ten or anything like that. But I totally agree with you, Brian. It's a it's a unique way to kind of bring something familiar into um, this part into the Delta Quadrant. Steve, yeah, I think I think it's fine. I think there's a lot of kind of the standard Klingon cliche kind of things that we've seen in so many episodes. Um, there's there's it's fun, you know. The um, I, I agree with Adam. The I think the the most interesting part is this this captain of the ship who essentially uh, you know is it, it, he's a pragmat he, he takes a, the pragmatic approach you know in terms of uh, sure we can interpret it this way whatever it takes to get us off the ship and move along I think that's interesting. Was he he was like okay imagine you're stuck at home. <laughs> Every place is closed. You're not allowed to leave your house. For 80 years. <laughs> Can you imagine anything worse than that? You probably can't even picture what that's like, but now imagine it's 80 years. See, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. A, a timely reference. Um, yes. but uh, And so I think, I think that's interesting. I think that I also like the notion that this is this kind of picks up just two episodes later from lineage in terms of uh, the you know Balana's pregnant and the interactions between her and Paris that makes it feel a little more continuous you know this whole thing and and uh, 
not so episodic, just a, a bit, you know, we're starting to, uh, slowly get into that era of those kind that kind of television at this point. But, um, so I think that's interesting, but yeah, you know, I think it's fine. I, I, I you know, who everybody likes Klingons. There's all the kind of usual things you see in the behavior and the comic. Not moment. me. I've never trusted Klingons. <laughs> I never will. <laughs> um, so why don't you forgive them, Brian? <laughs> and you know, there you go. So, uh, yeah, so there, it's, it's fun. It, it's, it's cool. You know, not not fantastic. Sorry. Well, I hate to be boring, but yeah, that's the scene that I love too. I I love that scene when when the Klingon captain um, is being so practical, and it's not even that he's saying no, no, we need to lie to them so that we can get so we can settle and stuff. It's not even that exactly. He's like, well, let's you know, maybe you are, and let's just make it so kind of thing, right? You know, it's yeah, it's neat. Then of course with the <laughs> That 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 moment did make me laugh out loud. By the way, when he's uh, near the end there, when it's like, oh, you, you, the child really did cure the baby, and the doctor's like, well, I mean, I, doctor, <laughs> uh, yes, the child, yes. <laughs> but you know, there there is there's enough stuff in there where it seems pretty convincing actually that the baby is the Kuvamach. I, you know, I like this. You know, Steve was talking about how you know this is kind of a continuation of lineage. You know, the scene that kind of fits into that is the scene with um, Balana and the. Kolar, the captain, in her, in her quarters when they're studying the um, the prophecies and stuff, kind of thing, and he's asking her questions, you know. And it, he's kind of a different Klingon, you know. Most Klingons are very judgmental about like her not being more Klingon, but you know, he's like, "Where's where are your, you know, your Klingon artifacts and that kind of thing." And he's not. I like the character because he's not judgmental to her, and then you know, totally, he kind of yeah. yeah, he he allows her to just kind of. At her own pace, he's like, "Will you will you do one thing with me? Will you just sit here and, and pray for your ancestors?" So I I like that scene because it wasn't in your face normally, like what you get from a Klingon, and it allowed Balana in her own way just to kind of accept um, more who she was and and be okay with it. I, th- I think I think what if this episode would have focused more on what we're talking about in terms of the the motivations of this leader, you know, and so forth. I, I think it would have been better for that because I think that's, what's so interesting is because it, it's, it's this notion that when, when religion takes a pragmatic approach, you know, and, and not a, not a, a, disin, a disingenuous approach, but an approach that it's like, we want, we want to do good. And so if our message can do good, then let's make that happen, you know? And I think, and, exploring the struggles of uh, of those leaders who take that and, and trying to trying to reconcile all that and so forth that's what makes it interesting it's just that this episode doesn't really deal with that a great deal you know um, it touches on it and it's interesting but otherwise it's just kind of a fun standard Klingon Federation romp thing you know so but is it about anything I think what um, Steve was hitting on I think you're probably right Steve that you know they didn't they didn't delve deeper into that. It probably would have made it a much, much better episode, but I think that's kind of what they were trying to say. You know, it's like, you know, if you get dogmatic in your beliefs, then you'll ultimately, you know, you'll ultimately destroy yourself and you have to kind of take more of a pragmatic approach and just keep the, the core goodness of what you believe in intact and be flexible everywhere else. But like when you get, dogmatic in your approach kind of that's kind of the approach they were taking with the Klingons who didn't think Bellana was um, the chosen one you know they're strictly dogmatic oh she has to be 
full Klingon, noble blood, and that kind of thing. You know, and if they would have taken that approach, they would have all, you know, died off. So I think that's kind of what they're trying to say in this episode, um, Steve. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think that um, that's touched on here, um, as is so often the case, the episodes that are that are good but not great just kind of touch on these things and don't focus on them. But yeah, I, I agree that it's it's this idea that um, when you when you turn um, potentially um, erratic views and um, you know one sided views to a pragmatic approach, and you get at the core of what you know saves lives and makes people's lives better, then that's that's what really works. And I think I think that's what's interesting about this episode. Um, so this episode tries to kind of uh, straddle. Uh, humor, fun, cling on with that kind of message, and maybe it suffers a little bit from that, but I, th- I think it's okay. What's your favorite scene at the very end when Neelix destroyed Tuvok's quarters? That was nice, of course. I'm, I'm glad it's Neelix. It's that's it's so <laughs> preposterous. It's fun. But again, yeah. that moment when the door opens and Neelix comes up there all disheveled <laughs> instead of the Klingon woman, if it had been Kim. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's what would have happened today, and if it, if it was made today, right? They would have been being able to do that. All right, let's do six degrees for prophecy. Steve has two. Adam, are you going first or second? I will get my zero out of the way. Let's do it. Ren T. Brown plays Kolar, the Klingon leader that is relatively convinced that Torres's baby is the Kuvamak. In Next Gen's second season, he played a shuttle pilot in the episode Manhunt. Summarize the story for Manhunt. I've never asked that kind of question before, but in a few words, tell me what happens in the episode Manhunt. He's a shuttle pilot in an episode called Manhunt. He's a very, very plays a very, very, very minor role. The reason I think the the plot is funny on this one is is because of the title. Manhunt. Where are you gonna? I'm thinking. I'm so terrible with titles. Once I tell you, you won't forget it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Manhunt, season two. Such a, not the best next-gen season. But I think it might be the worst, so, you know, (laughs) that's worth something. They are hunting a man. That's the plot, right, Brian? I'm not going to give you that. Nope. (laughs) All right, go for it, Steve. I'm trying to remember what the story is with (laughs) Um, I'm mixing up between two different episodes, but is this the one where... uh, is it is it like Loxana trying to find a mate kind of yep. crap? Okay. Yep, Loxana's looking for a husband. Manhunt. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. All right, Steve. Sherman Howard plays Tigreth, the Klingon that can't even beat Paris with a batleth. That is pretty pathetic. In DS9's third season, in the episode Shakar, Howard played a Vulcan science officer named Sivar that beats which DS9 lead uh, main character at darts? Huh. Um, O'Brien? Yes. Yes, that is correct. <sighs> I believe... Me, me, me sure didn't let him win? <laughs> That's been what happened, yeah. I believe our last episode posted the day Picard completed its first season, so we haven't had a podcast since then um obviously zero spoilers but 
I will say that I was uh, satisfied with the way that the season wrapped up and the way that it seemed to present uh, the the next season. You feel that way too, uh, Steve? Yeah, I concur. I mean, I didn't think it was like the the, the best thing since sliced bread kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was I thought it was satisfying. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I particularly liked very much the the satisfying conclusion that it gave to Nemesis, which mm-hmm. who on planet Earth would have watched Nemesis whatever eighteen years ago and thought, well, you know, I'm sure in ten or twenty years they'll do another <laughs> yeah. series and 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 give us the proper ending to this movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a little bit like Star Trek Beyond making an Enterprise reference. You know, it's kind of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it, we appreciate it, but how many others? You know, even, but even if you're going to do it, like Nemesis is not a good movie, and yeah. it's not remembered well, and that's for the few people that do remember it. <laughs> so right, right. if you were going to do something and reference a movie, you you wouldn't think it would be that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind yeah. of the, that's kind of the world we live in with the uh, you know the how you know disparate the you know where all the funds are going you can like pay to watch these things and so you have that kind of audience where you can have someone say you know we're in a fixed nemesis and it actually is a thing you can do yeah i I hope none of our listeners that haven't seen the end of picard don't think this is a spoiler because this is a general thing that's going on in the entire season i mean even in the teasers for the show we saw that sort of i mean in the teaser for the show you saw some of that stuff in a drawer you know what i mean like there's there's Mm -hmm. this was a I don't. I don't really consider that a spoiler, um, but I'm sorry if, if somebody might have. But uh, yes, other than that, there is zilch going on. So we're going to be back in two weeks to, dis- to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager. Again, we're going to carry on business as usual. We're going to try to with our podcast uh, during this crazy deal the world is going through. It's our way of trying to bring a little normal to everybody's lives, including ours. So uh, I hope everybody's cool with that. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.